0: It's a great day for a podcast. Once again, here he is, John Oakley. Here we are,
1: live from the Riverdale Farm. It's the third hour of the Oakley Show on location. The farmer's market is still going strong, and we've just roped somebody in from the market, J.P. Garral, who's a owner of Samsara Fields. He specializes in heirloom varieties of produce that are no longer commercially available. J.P. How you doing?
0: Really good, really good. Thanks a lot for having me here and for taking an interest in the market and farmers and food and the whole, the whole enchilada. Thanks a lot.
1: Well, it's important to do though, isn't it, to uh, recognize, you know, because it's oft stated, it's almost trite now to say, but a lot of people. You know, maybe younger people, especially in urban centers, don't really have an appreciation or an understanding where their food comes from. They think it comes from the grocery
0: store. This is very true. This is very true. Um, a, a little anecdote: uh, years ago, I had uh, squirrels that had invaded a, a trailer of mine, and I had to, you know, evict them. And <laughs> while I was going through everything, I realized that uh, that these squirrels had organized. They're very organized. So they had like their pine cones in one spot. They had um, nuts in another spot. They had spruce cones in a third spot. And I thought, wow, this is really remarkable. These squirrels really have a handle on their food, on what to do with it. They're organized, so they have a system, they have a structure. And I thought, wow, I don't know if I could say the same for all people. (laughs)
1: <laughs> I was going to say when you said they were organized, I thought maybe they had a union thing going down at the hall.
0: Well, there were <laughs> s- the strikes and the signs, but I didn't get involved. It seemed like you know wasn't my place. You are a character, by the way. That's a, a handsome Montreal Expos hat that you're wearing.
1: I thought I was Thank talking you. to Coco La Boye, a Rusty Staub here for a second. <laughs>
0: Le Grand Orange. C'est moi. <laughs>
1: what are you from Quebec originally?
0: I did spend some very formative years in Montreal, and and you know. Uh, I will say that, you know, my, my experience as a farmer really draws upon all the many different things that I've been very blessed in my life to have experienced in places I've lived. And so one thing that I like to do is to, you know, represent my time in Montreal with an Expos hat. You're doing
1: it well. And, Thank uh, you. Admirably. Now you're in Norfolk County on the shores of Lake Erie. You were yes. telling me it's two hours to come into the city, hmm. but you find to this farmer's market today, uh, it's worthwhile. The
0: drive is necessary to
1: make. Why is that
0: well I mean this has been about 13 fourteen years uh, that this farm's been in this incarnation and finding communities of people who are who know something about food who are interested in going beyond the supermarket that's that's gold that's a really really precious thing to to, to develop and I've, I've been at this cabbage town market for over a decade for example um, so yes it actually is worth the drive um, it is definitely i think everybody who you know brings in produce we do come from long distances Uh, everybody needs to eat and there's a really strong bond that develops uh, as a producer but all and to the consumers that that seek us out and you know being here today people from last year came right to my table and the conversation picked up as as if we'd never skipped a date so yeah it's definitely worth it thanks
1: it's very fundamental too uh so the
0: heirloom
1: vegetables and such tell me what it is that is your stock and trade, primarily.
0: Well, I—I I mean, I've got ten acres of, of garlic, for example. Right now, I'm growing over twenty varieties. Um, I do a lot of tomatoes. i Have been known to do ninety-nine varieties of tomatoes one year, but usually I do somewhere between twenty to thirty varieties every year. Um, and I mean, a lot of uh, you know the, the choices that go into um, what I grow. It uh, comes actually, you know, heirloom because these are things with cultural significance. So. You know, being able to grow tomatoes, you know, Bulgarian tomatoes, Ukrainian tomatoes, Greek tomatoes, Polish tomatoes, Italian tomatoes. Um, I grow heirloom organic corn, for example, which is a wonderful relationship I have with Maisal Tortilleria on Osington Avenue. Uh, so growing non-GMO heirloom organic corn and being, and to partner actually with Mexican tortilla makers doing very traditional um, cuisine. So it, these are very important things that the, the, that the vegetables themselves carry a cultural history and a cultural weight. And that's very much part of the whole conversation that I have beyond the field.
1: Well, do you find that this is now becoming of increasing significance because more people are maybe uh, very particular about their food sources and uh, in terms of, I I don't want to say foodies, but I mean, it's for want of a better term, there are a lot of people who are really starting to uh, demand You know, absolute uh, quality and uh, specificity, so that would be leading right into your wheelhouse, wouldn't
0: it? Well, it absolutely does, yeah. And it's interesting because I think, I mean, you use the term foodie, um, and it's actually very much, I think, has gone beyond the foodies, where if I think of, you know, foodie, quote-unquote... I think of somebody who maybe is more knowledgeable or, you know, more more of the aficionado, which may have been the case, say, 10, 15 years ago around heirlooms. Uh, th- what's happened is that you know, with the with, partly because of the pandemic, and we, you know, but I think the general population became very aware of stresses on long distance, um, uh, a long distance food chain, and the focus became very much on local for a whole lot of different reasons a few years ago, and I really picked up on an ongoing conversation we're having in Ontario around things like the green belt land preservation and as supermarket prices are soaring well we local producers don't experience the same stresses are actually able to return the favor to the consumer with by keeping our prices at a lower rate so i mean there's a lot of things that are that are really factoring in from food security to prices and then the obvious thing and the most important thing is that people have become very aware of the difference between fresh produce that's You know, no more than a few hours away from the field versus something that's, you know, traveled through more Latin American countries going on a bus or a truck from Chile all the way up to Canada to then get sold. And, you know, it it, it translates into a different quality of product. And I mean, a lot of people also come to me because I'm organic. Because people develop a lot of sensitivities around, you know, a lot of the pesticides and the fungicides and the herbicides and and this and that. So a lot of people also come for reasons of health. And I find that the conversation has, you know, gone from the foodie, but has really gone through wildfire to the the general public. And people are really coming and asking a lot of questions. It's great
1: some people are dismissive of the whole notion of organic uh, So so yes. you can well uh, advocate for it because i know i've had people on who are uh, very very adamant that organic is the way of the future just necessary for as you say health implications uh, what's your best argument for
0: organic then i mean you you presented it in part just a moment ago but certainly yeah no i'm happy to happy to bring it up and actually because um you know, my work with non-GMO organic corn, I think, is probably one of the most significant things. Um, and, and, you know, the background on that, I mean... I, Getting involved in organic produce originally, you know, I was growing the tomatoes and the lettuce and these sorts of things, but I realized the role of genetically modified corn in our food system as a sweetener, as, a, you know, a textile, as filler for spices, as, you know, meat subs- I mean, this non-gm or genetically modified corn has invaded absolutely everything. And so as a, somebody looking to come up with answers to this, getting involved with that was very important and understanding the health benefits around gut health with um, with organics and gut health and mental health, glycemic index, um, rates of diabetes, all of these things um, I've come about because we've gotten away from real organic foods, and so some, so if I could think of one thing that I do that really, really, really sums up the, the, the conversation, it's my work with, with corn. But generally speaking, I mean, residual pesticides, herbicides, we develop sensitivities. I myself became an organic farmer because of my own development of sensitivities around so-called conventional sprays. So I'm a living example of, of organic. yeah
1: all right. Yeah, you're living the beat. Listen, uh, when you talked about it earlier, competing on price, uh, I wondered about that, but you did say uh, this is something that you can do uh, credibly and even maybe defeat the price. Look, you said uh, you got uh, a lot of garlic that you produce as well. Mm. We know the bulk of it actually comes in from China, as I yes, believe. It does, yeah. Right, and so uh, that's kind of a tough nut to crack there, but how is it then, if they're producing on scale, at such a large scale, I mean, how do you compete on price? Again?
0: Well, very easily because the quality of my garlic, for example, you could use one clove and you'd get, you'd you'd taste it. It's very spicy. It's a very, very real flavor. Whereas it might take a good full head of Chinese garlic to achieve the same flavor. So you start thinking of the numbers, how much more garlic you would need to buy of the Chinese type to get the same flavor and value. It's really not, it's really, once you start lining them up against each other, I think there's really not even a mine is just that much better. Thank you. <laughs> the Pepsi modesty. Co-
1: yeah, the Pepsi Coke taste test. That's what it's all about. With garlic, though. Uh, J.P. Durrell. Again, you're in Norfolk County, but you're here at the market, uh, and you're a regular
0: every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. have been for over a decade. For over a
1: decade, and counting and going strong from 3 to 7 p.m. as we are down here today broadcasting live the Oakley Show. Uh, I appreciate you coming by. It's great. It's very, very much an education
0: for me today as well. Thanks for adding to it. And thank you for your interest. I appreciate your time, too. Cheers. Go Expos. You vive the Expo! (laughs)
1: JP Garel, owner of Samsara Fields, specializing in heirloom varieties of produce, no longer commercially available except down here at the Marketplace.
0: Listen to the John Oakley Show live each weekday afternoon from 3 until 6. If you live in the Toronto area, just turn that AM dial to 640 and listen anywhere on earth 24 hours a day by going to 640toronto.com. Follow on Twitter at AM640 Oakley. You've been listening to A Curious Cast. New podcasts and shows are debuting all the time. So check back often to see what's new in the Curious Cast Library.